I'm going to read you Matthew 22, 34. Um, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend, depend all the law and the prophets. We had some great speakers here this weekend. I don't guess you can't really call them speakers, but fathers of the faith had come and like share and gave us wisdom and advice as a church. Um, and Lisa was sitting up front and she quoted this scripture. And it was really good. She just quoted it and was talking about priorities and making God first. You know how many times I've heard that? <laughs> I feel like ever since you're little, it's always like, put God first. Just always put God first. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we know that's the priority list, you know. Um, but I guess it convicted me because and, um, this is my husband, Ben. I know there's a lot of new people. Um, you know, he had us, Ben had me and himself make a list of like, what are our priorities of how to spend our time? And, you know, you know, of course God is at the top of the list. It's like, oh yeah, he's of course, you know, we don't even need to list him. He's of course at the top. Um, you know, and then just like, okay, my husband, where do I fall in? Am I like my priorities? Am I like put myself before my kids, after my kids? Like what's the healthiest balance? Um, and so, like, the thing with being a mom is that if I want to have quality time with my husband, I want to have quality time with my kids, then I want to have quality time with God, and then I need, like, my personal time by myself <laughs> to recover from my times, my one-on-one -on -one time with my kids. <laughs> you know, like, um, you just run out of time. <laughs> and, um, like, what does it look like to hunger when you feel like you don't have time to hunger? Like, I told Ben this morning, it's like, I really want to wake up early and go downstairs and just, like, spend time with the Lord before church this morning. And I feel like every time I set my alarm early, it'll be, like, 6 o'clock, and I start heading downstairs. It's either as I'm going down the stairs and they creak, or I'm, like, already downstairs and, like, make a cup of coffee, sit in the chair, and down comes Joshua walking down the stairs. It's like, oh, I almost made it. <laughs> like... Um, almost like, why, why bother? Why try? Why set my alarm? <laughs> it's just easier to find some other method. And I think that's the conviction in my heart is, like when I was reading to you guys about the crazies, um, there are so many excuses of why this is the season that I need to devote myself to this. You know, I'm a young mom. I need to devote my time specifically to raising my kids. I need to devote myself. I just started a new business, you know. My business is going to require all my time. And then, um, you know, the Lord understands, you know, I'm putting all my time to this new business, and then our relationship will thrive when I have all this time to spend with him after that. And I mean, that's just, that's just not the way it goes. <laughs> if you start a new business, God is still our number one priority. You start a year at school, Grove City requirements are intense. <laughs> like, I audited a class on campus, and I was like, ah, <laughs> this is kind of scary. <laughs> Just like how, like, 
strict in the requirements and homework. Um, it's like God is always number one. And it's just what does that look like? Like we can't stop hungering. We can't like stop at the road close. This isn't the season for that. It's always the season for that. It's always the season for Jesus. You know the parable of the four seeds that are scattered and the sower that goes out? You know, the one seed that never made it was the one that was scattered. And it says the birds came and they ate it up. And the thorns came and it choked it out because of the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. You know what the cares of this world are? Is, do I have time to make dinner this week? But I have a test on Friday. <laughs> um, you know, I have something for my job requirements. It's going to take all my time for that. Like, these are like the cares of the world that choke out. It doesn't even allow, um, it doesn't even allow space for God to speak because our mind is so full and so running. And so we may be crying out like, God, I want to hear you more. Like, Jephone was sharing earlier just of how he was encountering God through pictures. And, you know, there's different ways of hearing God speak. It's not always through pictures. It's not always through an audible voice. <laughs> you know, it's not always um, a sign on the side of a bus that's riding by. It's not always that. But you will never hear him speak if your mind is cluttered. And it's the moment that we can just be still and sit there that changes us the most. And all the things that we think we need in this world. You know the song, Give Me Jesus, Give Me Jesus. There is really nothing else in this world that we need. And you start to think, um, there's Psalm, Psalm 84. I was reading this past week. It says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Really? Would you really rather be a doorkeeper? It's not very prestigious. Would you really rather be a doorkeeper? If Ben's business were to fail completely, could he be, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than be successful in this. Just like, what does success even look like? At, at what point do you feel like you've made it in life? Earlier in that psalm, he says, even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. It's like, come on, the birds made it there. <laughs> and they don't even have an idea about salvation or redemption. It's like, the sparrows made it. <laughs> this is my... My encouragement to everyone here is to hunger. And it's really hard to hunger when you don't have hunger. Um, but if you know that you should have hunger and you don't have hunger, find someone who's hungry. Find someone who says, I just need to press in more and ask them if you can be a part of their life. Can I, have, can I spend time with you? Can we go golfing together? Can we do something together because... I need to be hungry, but 
I'm not hungry and you're hungry. So if that's like a place like that really you can find yourself saying that, just go after it. Find someone. As a church, we're um, really big on just like living life in smaller communities, like even outside of like Sunday morning. Um, Sunday morning is a great like come together, worship together time. But you need people to run with. If you're running a race, uh, you know, like, I immediately think of just, like, running track. You know, it's like the last leg of the race, long distance, and you want someone to keep going. Like, you're almost there, just finished. You have someone on the sidelines just, like, running beside them, trying to keep their pace. That's why they practice in groups. You keep pace better when you're running with people. There's a rhythm to it. So that's like the importance of running with people. You get tired, you hear their pace, and you hear their footsteps, and it, all of a sudden you're not tired anymore. <laughs> try running to, when you run to music, you end up running to the beat that you're running, you're listening to. So one of my highlights from this last week um, most of you, I, I know there's a lot of people that I haven't met yet, um, but my son is the two-year-old with the longer hair that jumps on the furniture frequently um, and doesn't like to wear shoes. <laughs> he takes after his dad. Um, but this past week, I was in the kitchen. Um, and I guess I, I, I want you to be able to know like part of my heart, it's like why we even named him Joshua. I love the character of Joshua in the Bible. Like, absolutely love him. But um, I'm in the kitchen, and I normally don't even allow Joshua to open my guitar case when I'm not there. He's never done it before, because he, he'll just bang it off of something. It's too heavy, it's awkward, um, and it has locks on it, but he's learned how to open every lock. And I'm in the kitchen, and I, I hear him singing, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I was like, what? And I peek around the corner. He's in the middle of the ottoman, strumming on the guitar. He's holding it right, too, you know? Like, and the thought came into my head, like, do I yell at him for taking it out? Like, <laughs> he's sitting in the middle of the ottoman, strumming it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just kept repeating Jesus. And my heart just melted. <laughs> because no one was watching him. Um... He's just seen other people, like, playing the guitar. He's seen us, like, worshiping. And he knows that when people sing, they sing to Jesus. And my prayer for him has always been that he would be, like, someone who would love the presence of God. That's why he's named Joshua. Um, this is the story of Joshua that really sticks out to me. It's Exodus 33. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called, in the he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, 
all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a young man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So I want you to get this picture. Um, most of the people of Israel were afraid of God. I mean, it's understandable because he displayed himself in the form of fire and smoke and <laughs> lightning. Um, you know, Moses was called to go up to the mountain. And all the people were supposed to go up with him. And they said, no, we're not going to go. You go for us. You speak to God. Like, if we go, we're going to die. And so Moses ends up being like the one who speaks face to face with God. And so I just love that there's this hunger inside of Joshua that he, like, sees, wow, like, Moses is speaking face to face. I would love that. I would love it if I could look him in the eyes and speak face to face. But I'm not in that spot. You know, like that was given to Moses. So I'm just going to sit here and not move. And I'm just going to enjoy the presence and sit here. Like there's just like this. There was a hunger inside of him, but there was an awe of like, who is this God? Who is this being? Like he didn't have these scriptures to go and like learn about God and like read all, the, all of Genesis and history of Exodus. Like this is just the beginning of the Bible. But he knew that there was this heavy, weighty presence where there was glory and there was this being who fought their battles for them and just delivered them from Egypt. And he has really not a super good idea of who this guy is or who this being is. And all he can do is sit in the presence and experience him. And he doesn't leave. It's like when the church meeting is over and there's one person, the lights are out and they're sitting there still. Just like I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to go yet. I wrote a poem one time. Um, okay, I'll read it. Sometimes I'm unsure what I should say and what I should not say. But I'll read this one. Um, so a lot of times when I'm spending time with the Lord, like journaling or uh, I think journaling or doing poems is probably one of the ways I really like to encounter him or engage with him. I said, oh, that time would stop and the world stop turning, that a minute lasts a lifetime and a moment for eternity. So when I'm sitting at your feet trying to soak it up before my time runs out and pushes me up, your minutes last a lifetime, your moments for eternity. Yet I'm not omnipresent or omniscient, and when I open my eyes, my one-track mind sees the other images. My mind sees my work and the task for the day, and it's replaced the moment with the image of your face. Can I stop, close my eyes, and see it again? You are still in your gaze. Your moment never ends. You never get up. Your minutes with me actually last for eternity. My for now is your forever. I think in, in that moment when I was sitting with the Lord, 
you know, I'm just imagining this God outside of time that I'm sitting with, and I'm sitting at his feet, and my time is going to end. Like, I'm going to have to go about my day. And it's true, like, when I'm studying or I'm feeding kids or doing my work, like, my mind is focused on that. And, like, you know, it needs to be focused. You need to be faithful with what's at your hand. But just started to think, like, if God always sees me, and if God is outside of time, like, um, that moment actually, like, there is no time. I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> You're sitting in a moment that has no beginning or end. And so I go on with my day, and it feels like there's a yesterday and a tomorrow, and God always has a now. And so when I was, if you're having like an intimate time with the Lord to think about, you're having this moment of intimacy, and it's not ending for him. He's still remembering the gaze. He's still there like gazing. It's not ending. My for now is his forever. And that just makes me want to gaze at him more. And our times with the Lord are the moments when we get changed. I love <laughs> Gabe's parents over here. Um, I don't know if it was the last time you were here that you spoke or two, time, two times ago. Was the last time you were here? Two times. It was great. It was like, it was so simple. It was like, it's just all about Jesus. <laughs> like, I was actually thinking about um, th that this past week. It's just like, it's really just all about Jesus. Like, everything that we need changed inside of us. It's these moments of sitting at his feet. Like, if you have a bad experience, for instance, um, and you're like, man, something really needs healed in my heart. Something really needs changed. Part of us really wants to find the method to, like, heal and change it and be, like, focus on all these broken pieces and how to fix them. In an encounter with the Lord, I'm going to use the example of, like, if it was a, like, a, a paw print, for instance. You know, you have a paw print, like, of a, a dog in mud. It's like, there's this print on your heart. Well, how do I get rid of it? You have something that's bigger come and step on that exact paw print, and it leaves the paw print of whatever just stepped on it completely erases the paw print of the dog, and now you have a paw print of a bear. So I want you to get this, like, <laughs> when you have an encounter with God, he is so much bigger. His words are weightier than whatever anyone has ever spoken to you. Your experience with him is going to be stronger than any experience of being rejected or unloved or any place of healing that you need. And he just comes and he just steps on it, and it doesn't have to take years. It might take a while for that, that place to be opened up and for him to, like, for you guys to actually be engaging in that spot in your heart. But it doesn't take years to fix your heart. It takes a moment. It takes an experience with someone who is greater than you. But those moments don't come. I don't want this to be taken the, the wrong way because um, God heals our hearts, but he's, he's not primarily a psychiatrist. <laughs> All right. He's to be your friend. And a lot of times we treat him according to what we need 
rather than out of friendship getting what we need. Does that make sense? Um, so I will plan be like, I need to spend time with the Lord because I'm feeling dry. When you spend time with the Lord, you're not dry. All right, but if we get to the place where we need it, then our time with him looks like, God, I need something from you. Who wants to be friends with someone that's needy? I mean, God does, but, <laughs> but really, that's not what relationship and friendship is like. I don't want to hang out with people who are always like, what can I get from you? But my moments of biggest transformation have come when I haven't come to God with, God, I need you to fix me. It's, God, I want to be with you. And in those moments when I'm with him, he'll either, like, open a scripture. I, I'll, I use, the, like, the terminology. He dropped a bomb that I wasn't expecting to be dropped. And so I could be, like, I was writing a poem this last week. It was a spoken word piece. Um, and I don't think I need to read that one. <laughs> but I'm writing this spoken word piece using this imagery in my head. Because that's what you do a lot of times in the arts. You're using imagery. And so I have this imagery in my head. Um, and halfway through, God completely changes the imagery. And I was like, that wasn't what I was writing about. And I just found myself weeping. <laughs> it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, he used a picture. Um, so, like, I'm writing about, I was writing almost, like, encouraging myself to, like, love more. Almost, you know, sometimes we're just afraid to love. Um, so I was using a baseball analogy. Like, we can't be afraid to, like, walk up to the plate and, like, swing the ball. And, like, we just can't be afraid. Like, we got to go after it. And in the middle of my, like, hurrah to myself while I'm writing this spoken word piece, God gives me a picture of me in the backyard. And he's the one pitching me the ball, and I'm a two-year-old. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, he aims for your bat. Not, it just, he just completely switched it on me. And I was like, that was not what I was writing about, but I find myself weeping <laughs> in front of this spoken word piece. Because one picture from him just completely changed my interior. Any motive that is off, any thought process that is off, anywhere where we've been thinking wrongly, it just can be changed in a moment. One word from him. but it's not because we're sitting down and saying, God, I need this. It's when we sit down and we're saying, God, I desire you. I told you to run with someone that you're hungry, that's hungry, so you can become more hungry. If you want to become like Jesus, you got to run with Jesus and not just have dates with him, meaning like go to him when you need him. The more time you spend with him, the more you'll become like him. And it's not because you're trying. It's just because you're desiring. So I just want to pray for us for our desire to increase. So if you feel like, if you, feel like you need more desire, put your hand on your heart. Jesus, make us more hungry for you.
pray that we won't relent until you have it all. I pray that you reveal to us any place where priorities have been off, places of our heart where maybe we haven't loved you fully or where you've been second. I pray for expectation, that we would just expect to encounter you when we're with you. That's just what you do. Pray that you increase our awareness of your presence. That you increase our awareness of your desire for us. Increase our hunger for the word. Increase our desire to hear your voice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I pray for hunger. <laughs>